You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 350, the big 350, David Cohen. Uh, still the new show. Keep telling you that. <laughs> uh, I had a good time last week with Eric on the show. That was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, he was a nice guy to speak to, and he had some interesting things to say. That's always, uh, that's always a plus, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike the regular show. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, there's, I could hear that coming. Unlike the regular show, I have to talk to you, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, hopefully no annoying buzzing sound that I didn't realize yeah. had crept into uh, when I had Guy Searle on the show. Yeah. And I should have checked, but I didn't, and that's my fault. So I apologize to the listeners who couldn't bear to get through the whole show with that buzzing sound. So do you have any of the software that's meant to be able to remove that stuff if you know about it? You know, the kind of sound soap type things? Yeah, and it I've used it on episodes where we didn't catch it, and it creeps yeah. in like towards the end of the show. Um, it's just a frequency, and if I can pinpoint the frequency, I can delete it. Hmm. But it's hit or miss. Yeah, so you and I have a a differing opinion about what might be causing it. Yeah, you think my preamp is going bad. I don't. Uh, well, I, I just wondered, because I th I was on the impression we changed pretty much everything else in your setup. I hadn't was... changed the microphone cable, right. uh, but I did since, and then it came back again, the sound. Mm -hmm. But it's a jumble of wires behind my computer. Right. And the two failing things that's happened in the past is the Y splitter or... The, I think it's a two and a half millimeter, or I forget now, that goes to the mobile, and there's an adapter there to right. kick it up to the bigger plug. That's usually where the problem comes in, is that cable right there, or the Y splitter. Mm -hmm. And I've replaced those within the last year, but even if you spend a little bit more money, and on a cable like that, a little bit more money is like an extra five bucks. Yeah. I still think they're all very cheaply made and they're not shielded for crap. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the interference sounds come from. Those cables yeah. get moved around a little bit too often. They're stiff. They're not very good to begin with. Wires get crossed inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or you can get a bad solder joint or something. And, yep. You know, anything that, that it's amazing once, once you break the metal connection to something, how much uh, RF it can pick up then. But I, the reason I was speculating was that I wondered whether you might have capacitors or something going bad on the analog side of your preamp. But my point there was, the argument there was that if one of those capacitors were going bad, it would be a consistent problem, and it's not. And simply when, I, when we've had these problems in the pre-show, well, we're fixing them, and I'm trying to fix it. And it, see, well, here's the other part. It, always, it only comes through on your input mm -hmm. it's never my input yeah and i just move cables around and eventually it gets better 
and I'm turning off electronics that seem to be causing you know this yeah. interference, and then it gets better. So maybe for the next show, what you might want to try doing is swapping the input between you and me, because then if it does come back, but it's on your side, then you know it is the, pr- the preamp. No. And if it- oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, I might do that. That's a yeah. good idea. Process of elimination. Mm-hmm. Or I can spend 20 bucks and get some new cables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the problem with new cables is you unplug them to put the new cables in, then you might break something else. Yeah, that's true. So it's been an interesting week in tech. We didn't cover a lot of the things last week that we were planning on covering. And so we saved a few things and it was kind of good that we did on one of them because there's actually a good follow-up, an appropriate follow-up that makes me smile, especially (laughs) because of the reaction of the YouTubers. So let's start when you know what, let's not start there. Let's start with John Gruber on daring fireball posted, um, kind of an innocuous little message on his site, daringfireball.net, calling it a question, the validity or the um, authenticity, if you will, for the calls that Google made during the Google IO conference with their new duplex technology, which allows their, their Siri, if you will, to call businesses and set up an appointments for you. Yeah. And I watched, I didn't watch the whole IO thing, but I did watch that. And I watched yeah. it probably the same night that it, that they did it. And I thought, wow, that's really impressive. The, the voice assistant sounds very human with the um and that kind of thing. And I was also a little creeped out about it, to be honest. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. There was something about it that just, it didn't seem real to me. And I think John Gruber put his finger on it perfectly and that it seemed very fake and his yeah. whole, these are real calls and uh, I don't know that, that let's set the scene. So the, the idea of this is that if you use Google products and you want to book uh, the event, the, the ideas again, you want to book an appointment for a hair. I think it was hair and restaurant. They suggested in the keynote that you would basically tell the Google assistant to do that for you. And it would make the call, speak to the human and book the appointment for you. Um, and then they played some recordings of this and they, they claimed these were all real calls. Now, right, right, right again there, you can fall down the cracks of truth there, can't you? Because you can record a real call while necessarily having set it up in advance. It's still a real phone call recording. That doesn't mean it's a real scenario. But anyway, in this keynote, yes, these calls appeared to be very, very impressive. It was kind of like if you asked the computer in Star Trek to book an appointment for you. Um, In fact, probably more so because... The, the idea behind this thing as they're pitching it at the moment is that it won't tell the other end that it's a computer and it will then kind of behave as if it was a real person to, well, there's, there's a whole load of ethical and kind of um, moral queries that arise out of that approach. But nevertheless, let's put those to one side for the minute. And they, yeah, they were very impressive. The problem is, is that um, as recordings, immediately when I 
listen to them. I thought, okay, but this technology is clearly not ready for prime time uh, because otherwise a, a far better demo would be to do it live on on the stage. Actually have the computer, you know, actually have them uh, set up an appointment and then ask Google Assistant to do that and then listen in on the call it makes. And, well, let's and listen to one of them right here. I've got it queued up. This is Duplex scheduling a hair appointment. How can I help you? Hi, I'm calling to book a women's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. Okay, what business do you call that doesn't say the name of the salon? <laughs> yeah. Well, that yeah, that I mean, this one of the things you start looking into it a little bit more deeply, and you kind of think, yeah, that seems a little bit off. That's very odd. Um, uh, the the whole the whole kind of idea behind this, as I said, is 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 interesting. In that, okay, you could argue that there there is some utility for that. I've seen quite a lot of criticism online of people saying, oh, well, you know, this is for. Uh, entitled white Silicon Valley dudes to not have to make their own phone calls. What a great use of technology that isn't. Um, putting that to one side, I think the problem I have with this is that, yeah, obviously, it, it, the whole the whole transaction is almost a little bit too clean. Yes. Even though they've tried not to make it clean, you listen to it, and it to me, I, the first time I listened to it, I thought well, that sounds like an ad. You know, it's just, <laughs> You know when you have those um, those ads where there's there's two guys pushing prams, uh, you know, putting strollers through the park, and they go, right. "Did you catch the game last week?" Yeah, the game was great. Um, you know, Lisa Lisa was was really good to let me watch, stay up and watch it. And he goes, "You know what? Uh, you know, um, I I I think I, it's interesting you were talking about that. You know, I was talking to Marie the other day about our wills and whether we should have um, life insurance. <laughs> you know, it's kind of one of those weird segue conversations that you only get commercials. Uh, and this kind of sounded like that. It, it I mean, it perhaps some people could say, well, it's unfair to say it sounds scripted because obviously there is a certain amount of scripting going on on the Google AI side, but it just sounded a bit artificial. Um, not and not just on the Google side, also on the uh, on the on the hair side. Um, and but contrast that with the next call. See how may I hear you? Hi, um, I'd like to reserve a table for Wednesday the seventh. For seven people. Um, it's for four people. Four people when. Today, um, next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Oh, actually, we leave here for like opera, like uh, five people. For few, four people, you can come. How long is the wait usually to uh, be seated? 
for when tomorrow or weekday or for next Wednesday, uh, the seventh. Oh no, it's not too busy. You you, you can come for four people, okay? Oh, I got gotcha. you. Thanks. Yep. Bye bye. Now that doesn't sound scripted. Uh, it doesn't. Well, it doesn't initially. But then, listen back to it. Did he actually book the appointment? Well, no, because according to the person who answered the phone, A, they didn't book appointments for anything under five people, and there's no wait time for four people. They can just come in and get a table. Right. Okay, so that wasn't that wasn't clear to me from, from when, I, when I listened to it. And part of the, the reason they did that, I think, is because this was somebody who had an accent. Yes. Um, and, um, which in a real world, yeah, but in a real world situation, that's exactly yeah, the type of thing that yeah, Google Exactly. And you could hear people in the background. To, but yes. again, it, it seemed a little bit off. Um, much more on the Google side this time. Um, it, it almost sounded like the, the Google side was, was a little bit brain dead. I thought. Because his, his the, the 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 Google's reactions to what she was saying were a little bit off. It was it was de- definitely for this one felt more in the uncanny valley to me than than scripted. But again, we don't have the name of the restaurant taking the uh, taking the call uh, in, in the announcement, which is also again very unusual. And um, yeah, I, I, it. To me, if you want to impress with this technology, you need to do it live. And and the slightly odd thing is they're aiming this at phone calls, making reservations, when they actually have one of their cylinders that interacts with you all the time. So wouldn't this sort of kind of technology be far better focused on that than, um, than on, on some kind of technology for booking appointments for you? So the whole thing kind of, kind of comes across to me as a little bit smoke and mirrors. It's like... It's misdirection. It's meant to wow you, but you kind of scratch below the surface and you start thinking, well, what is this really? How real is it? Well, How genuine is it? When we were discussing briefly, right when we started, right before we started recording, that this both seemed very suspicious to us, you made a good point. If it's this good, if it's this reliable in its current incarnation, which still isn't ready for the public, why do the recordings? Why not call yeah. someone live? Because let's be honest, if that was an Apple keynote and Steve Jobs was alive, if it's not a live call, he's not doing it. And, and famously, he did do that. He did. He ordered the 4,000 lattes from Starbucks. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? I, I, uh, after, after I remembered that after I, did, after I started looking into this, and I actually looked up about that because I wondered whether that was, that was faked. Or whether whether at least the guy was that sat there waiting for the call. It turns out no, he wasn't. It was a Starbucks up the street from Moscone. Yep. Uh, and um, the barista, certainly four years after the keynote, the barista who took that call was still there, uh, and and you know said no, no, I knew nothing about it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and in fact, apparently to this day, that Starbucks continually gets people calling up asking for four thousand lattes to go. So um, Which I love. you know, kind of a little bit of. <laughs> <laughs> They've been trolling there, you know, and you could argue that perhaps maybe it's a little bit unfair of Steve Jobs to kind of lay that on or certainly risky because what would happen if nobody had answered the phone but, or something inappropriate was that, yeah, there's a lot of risk, yeah, but there's a lot but, of risks. But there's, it's those that. risks that make it daring, that make it more memorable. We remember that because that was risky. Yeah. That's something that Steve Jobs 
has such trust in this technology to actually do, whereas Google didn't have the, the level of bravery or conviction of the product to do a live demo. Yeah. So I think that says a lot about Google. I think it says, and, it, and quite honestly, I think it's very fair to question the validity of those calls. Yeah. And I mean, Google hasn't a- responded to media requests. No. Were they edited? Were they set up ahead of time? Who were these businesses? Now, John Gruber posted on Twitter asking, well, who is this restaurant? Because on a Google blog, they had a picture uh, of two Google engineers who went to a restaurant. And you kind of get the impression that they went to the restaurant that you heard in the demo, but maybe not. That's not not clear. Uh, but that Google Assistant actually made the call and reserved their table. And there's a picture and a little bit of detecting, detective work pinpointed exactly the restaurant. Yeah. And, and then, they checked it out. And yeah. it sounded like it was legit at first, but then the owner was very skittish and got off the phone quickly. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that that could... Um- play devil's advocate that could just purely because he started to get uncomfortable that people were starting to ask questions he didn't want to say something that might get google in trouble either innocently or on purpose and um, potentially I can, causes I can perhaps, risky perhaps business blame him for, for doing that i don't either but it's still i don't know it, it seems i want to believe that duplex is that good already um but let's talk about the ethics of this type of software I don't I don't know if I'm comfortable having my phone or a digital assistant do something like that passing itself off as human. It seems I don't know. A little what? I don't want to say it's unethical because I don't think it is. Um with caveats if it identifies itself as a Google assistant calling. That's one thing. Which you didn't in these calls either. No, but that's, I mean, early technology, you, you got to work through those kind of things as, as, as the technology matures. We got to set standards. Um, and when you have something new like this, you don't know what those are. No, maybe no one at Google thought about that before. And I think that's, that's fair. Um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of the problems that Google gets into is into with these sorts of technologies. Remember some of the problems they had with Google glass mm-hmm. is because their engineers don't think through the negatives beyond the, you know, this is cool technology. What can we do with it? Um, no, and I, I think that's, I don't think that's a problem. I think that when you have a company, the size of Google, an engineer is going to come up with a solution or uh, this cool thing. I don't think it's his job necessarily to think of every single negative consequence. Uh, you well, would think that they, you, no, you no, would hope. The engineer isn't, but management should certainly. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So I don't, I don't want to, to curb, curb intervent. I don't want to curb inventiveness. Yeah. And invention because, well, but what could it really be used for? Yeah, sometimes it's nice. Well, I think as as an inventor, even at the inventor level, to think about what could it be used for and how can I put in some controls as part of the invention process. Right. I don't want anybody inventing a real life life lightsaber. I we don't need that in society. (laughs) Yes, that's not a good idea. 
you know, or if you do, then you want to invent a lightsaber that that is is it's not going to cut flesh. <laughs> yeah, it has controls in it to stop it hurting people right. and maybe uh, prevent it slicing through building columns right. or something like yes, that. You exactly. know, um, to use an extreme example. But the, yeah, the issue with this is that what what made me feel desperately uncomfortable about this is that kind of you know what the abuse of the telephone is a problem that's a real sure it's a real issue with the modern age we've got crank calls we've got robo calls we've got scam um, you know incessant marketing coming down the phone to us i i know you guys have it worse in the states than we have here we robo calling is is absolute is absolutely illegal in the uk it is too here well, I know it is there, but, but it, they just where, it, where it's illegal there, it, it's it's just conveniently ignored and people use, do it. Yeah. So any kind of um, technology that makes robocalls sound more effective, um, and, I, and I've had calls before where, where companies are experimenting with this sort of thing, where it, it's talking to you and you very quickly re- realize that you're getting canned responses and you're not really talking to a real person. Right to try and sell you stuff. So the, the, the fact that Google, one of the king of advertising companies is, is, is coming up with technology that can use artificial intelligence to have a conversation with you over the phone makes me deeply, deeply uncomfortable. Well, and um, I think that's because the, I think Google has shown more recently than even in their past that they can't be trusted with personal data. They can't be trusted not to sell your data not to share it yeah. with anybody willing to pay. Go, uh, Facebook, of course, is the same way. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I don't trust them with that kind of power. And, and the problem is, is that you combine those huge amounts of data with this sort of technology, and then before you know it, um, po- political people are starting to use it to poll people and uh, advertisers starting to use it to you know you it's bad enough at the moment when you go on amazon and you look for something and then you start seeing ads on facebook for it but can you imagine the phone starts ringing and some and, and a computer purporting to be a human starts trying to sell you something or um uh, sell you something related to it it would be a nightmare or you could take it to the extreme you know the whole uh, robert Mueller investigation is about uh, the Russians and colluding with Trump, but going beyond that, there's no question that uh, the Russian government actually did interfere with the American elections. I like how that's still being debated instead mm. of retaliation against the Russians for doing that. Um, but regardless, what if those kinds kinds of groups uses this kind of technology to fake? What if it was Hillary Clinton calling people randomly, hundreds and hundreds of people a second, and it sounds just like Hillary Clinton, and she's actually talking to people? Yeah. Or, or what about law enforcement? Suppose, suppose if you if you have a an AI call somebody and start asking them questions, right? Yeah, I would imagine in it, certainly initially that would not come under the it's a computer doing it, so that would not come under the same legal safeguards as if a police officer was doing it, right? So the the AI calls you up kind of cons you into admitting something that you didn't want to admit and then the, the police are at the door with uh, saying saying we've got you on tape admitting to a crime yeah yeah you know that that's that's entrapment but um you know what i guarantee if this technology actually works and becomes mainstream that will happen before uh legal processes and and decisions about whether that is that is good enough for a conviction since somebody in jail will will um catch up well i mean if you're responding to the computer because the digital assistant 
and you're saying something that you say it ironically when you mean it exactly the opposite. Yeah. Oh yeah. I killed four people. Well, it hears I killed four people. It doesn't yeah. hear the irony in the way I said it. Yep. Did you commit this murder? Yeah, I committed the murder. Now, it, uh, a human knows yeah. oh, he's being snarky right now. He's not. That's not what he actually means. Does a computer yeah. understand snark? No. Nope. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I mean, this this kind of technology has a long way to go. I don't really trust Google as a company that would create it for our benefit. I think it's for the benefit of businesses and their partners and for them to make money. It's not I, I also I, did, I actually query the whole premise of this. Yeah, I I don't understand in the 21st century why uh, the only people who should be calling up to make appointments are people who can't do it any other way. Right. You know, there is, uh, if you have, if you have Google, let's just look at Google assistant for a minute. If you have a requirement for a restaurant or a hair appointment reservation and, and you, you'll do that on your phone by putting it into your calendar. Yeah. Then we already have all the technology you need to actually make that transaction transaction happen in the background electronically over the internet without requiring a conversation with a human. Right. And yeah. the time so it why takes would you then you... come up with this technology to retain the most inefficient loop in that? Now, Google could say, oh, it's because, you know, some restaurants, some hedgers don't have a system. You know, so why not build a system that allows you to, uh, to act as the mediator between businesses who want customers to make appointments uh, and, and customers who want to make appointments? Well, build, a build a platform for that. That's probably a more, more productive and a better, more effective way to kind of change the world rather than having computers doing voice stuff, which looks great in a demo. But the problem is, is you know that a, a very large percentage of the time, these things are going to fall down. And then where are you? you you've, you've relied on Google to book your appointment. You don't really know whether it's been booked or not. Well, there's that. And there's, if you have time to set, tell your Google assistant to set the appointment, I think you got time to call the place and set the appointment yourself. Yeah. Uh, we should, I th we should not be trying to, take all form of uh, communicate human to human communication out of the world by putting technology in the way. I agree. And I think yeah. that goes a long way towards um, the, the problem with social media. It, yep. It's trying to take away the physical in-person human interactions. And I don't think that's a good thing at all. I think that's a bad thing. I think you need that more human interaction. I, I think that the internet should be used to bring people together. That was kind of what made me excited about the premise of the internet back in the late nineties, you know, that, Hey, we all have access to information. And if we all have access to the information, that should make the world a safer place. We can find out we're not so different than the people, you know, on the other side of the planet. But unfortunately, human nature creeps in. And worse, tribalism kicks in. Yeah. And uh, we uh, only use it to vilify the differences in other people. 
Uh, and we, uh, I, there's no doubt that talking to people online allows you to be far meaner, um, far more vitriolic to people than you would be in real life. And that is, uh, that's a disservice because you're stripping, you're stripping social boundaries away from communication. Yes. Uh, and that brings out the worst in people in a, in a lot of cases, unfortunately. I, I, the whole, the whole thing with this, uh, electro- I, I want this technology to be developed. You know, we, we are tech fans. I want to see this working, but I yeah. don't want to see it working by being used so that a computer can talk to, a stranger to do something for me. I want my computer to talk to me like that. I want, you know what, if Google Assistant on, on Android phones and on their, uh, their Google homes and everything behaved the way it does in these, in these demonstrations, I would be absolutely blown away. If you can interact with Google like this, that's a far better use of the technology than having Google interact as a proxy for you to somebody else. Yeah. And look at it from the other person's point of view. Well, well all of a sudden they, they want to be, they, they want to be fielding robo calls in the interest of keeping business going. Well, they got to get their robo answering service. So the tool assistants can, <laughs> exactly. but, if, but if it's two assistants, well, it's, do they actually have to verbalize anything? Can they just pass the data quickly back and forth and it's done? Exactly. And both and sides get well, a notification. This whole thing of, you know, Google's going to benefit from every interaction this service makes. So sure. they're effectively using businesses as uh, free data put, data inputs and beta testers for their software. Yeah. What's wrong nice. with that? Mm-hmm. So let's move on. Uh, we do want to thank our sponsor, uh, Otherworld Computing. David, they got a cool new feature. This is really, really neat. Now, Let we've- me guess. They will book appointments for you at restaurants. They will. You call them, tell them what you want, and then they'll call the restaurants for you. Or hair salon. Don't forget the hair salon. Yeah. The cool thing here is we've talked about buying used Macs through OWC for a few years now. In fact, that's how I got my Mac. It's a used 21-inch iMac. But up until now, you can go and look at the iMacs, and you can see which ones they have, and you can order one. Great. But what if I wanted more memory in that used machine, or what if I wanted a different processor? Well, if you go to their new and refurbished and certified used Macs, iPads, and more, there's a new beta fig- feature that they they just put up on the website just this week, and it's called Configure Yours. So I'm going to go to iMac, and instead of Shop All, I'm going to click the button that says Configure All, and they have all the Macs they have. And let's say I want a, um, let's stick with the kind of the one I've got. Uh, actually, they don't have the one I got, it looks like. So I'm going to say a late 2015, actually, that is the one I've got, uh, late 2015 21-inch iMac. And I'm going to click Configure Now because it says from $999. Mm-hmm. So if I click Configure Now, it comes up, the base is $999. But now there's a thing that says... 16 gigs of RAM. That's an extra 200 bucks. So I can click that. And oh, that also gives me, by the way, a fusion drive. So I can add a fusion drive. So I can configure it the way I want it. So for $9.99, I get eight gigs of RAM and a one terabyte fusion drive. I click 16 gigs of RAM and adds 200 bucks. Now it's $11.99, but I get 16 gigs of RAM and a two terabyte fusion drive. That's, by the way, definitely worth the $200 upgrade. But you can configure your used Mac now. I think that's fantastic. Uh, that is a great service. So they, they will upgrade the used Mac for you and then ship it. Fantastic service. If you guys are looking for a used Mac, 
OWC is the place to go, maxsales.com. I'll put a link to the new beta program to buy a used Mac right in the show notes for TechFan number 350 at MyMac.com and, of course, at TechFanPodcast.com. And thank you once again to OWC for sponsoring TechFan. Um, ah, Google, 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 and now YouTube. So an advertiser company that sells essay cheating stuff, they'll write your essay for you, decides they're going to use the power of social media and YouTube to sell their products. So they pay a whole bunch of, and I do mean a lot, of some of the more popular YouTube stars to promote their stuff. Service. Their service. And we're using that with air quotes, service. Yeah. Now, it's for people who don't want to write their own essays. They, the cheaters of the world. And the, the people have been cheating at tests and, and yeah. stuff like this for, well, since there was proper education. And some people will always look for an edge. So here's a company that provides, hey, we'll write your essay for you. So how do they? How, how do you go about promoting this? Well, how about YouTube? That's where all the young kids are. They're watching stuff on YouTube. They don't watch. Yeah. They don't read uh, uh, magazines. They don't. They don't watch cable TV or over-the-air TV. They're watching YouTube. Yeah. So let's get these um, YouTube stars um, to 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 promote our our dishonest business. And and not only that, these are YouTube stars who like to think of themselves as. They don't like to think of themselves as advertisers. They like to think of themselves as social media influencers. So yep. they're going to influence you. Mm-hmm. So again, the problem with with a lot of this stuff is you don't know you're being shilled to. Yeah, and and part of the issue with this is that in, in the I know in America, kind of inline ads, just like the kind of one the the ones we've just done for OWC. Yeah, are uh, have been a fixture of of your advertising model for a long time, but in other countries in the world, they're quite unusual. So they, because they're unusual, they have perhaps a little bit more power than um, American uh, listeners who are more used to them, and and I think that's a concern as well. So this, this company, based in Ukraine, of course, yes, <laughs> yeah, it would be that? it would be somewhere towards towards the uh, the Russian side of the world, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, Edgy Birdie. Yeah, they they write your essay for you. Two hundred and fifty channels were promoting it, so they obviously really splurged. Yep. on YouTube. They spent stuff. some money. They were spending on average two hundred and fifty bucks per ad. Yeah, is there that yeah. much money in cheating? Holy crap! And they were targeting people who had four million, five million followers on YouTube. You know, and they were all doing the personal endorsements, which. Uh, you, at that point, you start thinking, well, here's the problem with YouTube's advertising model is that they will let you advertise anything and they don't stop it. They don't have the controls in place to actually look at it and see whether it's something that should be advertised or not. You know, they are uh, the, the problem with YouTube is their business relationship is with their advertisers and with the people who use the platform. They are not with the viewers, whereas right. actually you really need to have somebody representing the viewers in the advertising relationship. Yep. So that's that's the point thing. And then, of course, so what happened is when they start getting some news traction, <laughs> YouTube reacted by, oh, dear, we better do something about this. So they start pulling people's videos. Um, and, uh, of course, 
these guys then got very upset because all their videos went offline and their income stream disappeared. Boo hoo. Yep. Boo bloody hoo. They're you know, I, 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 yeah. Part of the issue here is that unfortunately a lot of people in social media and in using these new platforms, they all they see is the money and they don't have a lot of um, discretion about who they choose to, to use as advertisers. Right. It's, if you actually go back and watch some of the ads that these places did, these, these social media influencers, they literally said, have these people write your essay so you can play video games more. What a despicable, gross, they're, these people should not influencers of anybody they're they're despicable rotten human beings and i don't know why google allows or youtube same company i don't know why they allow this crap free speech no it's not free speech it's a private broadcasting company you can have anything you you want on there or anything that you don't want on there yeah yeah um just looking at, at some of the article here. So, it, so we have um, a guy called Patty Mayo who makes bounty hunter videos <laughs> immediately. Well, yeah, you can argue the toss about the uh, artistic value of bounty hunter videos, but he, he, he goes, um, he apparently used it. Part of his process, his copy was to hire the super smart nerds at edubirdie.com to write your essays and your papers for you. And then he said, but oh, well, I don't condone nor endorse cheating. Well, <laughs> you just did. You just did. Yeah. Idiot. This is the, the, um, the dancing on the head of a pin. Some of these guys have done when they got their, the, you know, uh, look, I, yeah, we, I have no sympathy. First of all, cause I think it's a horrible, horrible thing to advertise. Yeah. Academic achievement there's no value in it if you get somebody else to do it for you correct right uh so that no nobody should be pro- pro- promoting that as a good idea or a smart thing to do yeah uh particularly to people who might have people of various different age groups watching their channels um but you know some of the answers these guys come up with shows how dissociated they are from the real world yeah twins tv a us-based pranks channel posted on twitter that youtube deleted 138 of our videos without any explanation well that's wrong yeah (laughs) first for a start you had an explanation they gave you an explanation you just don't agree with it because you don't want your stuff to go away right yeah and also as well I, i i've struggled to think Anybody who took advertising for this for this company on did not think, you know what? Well, I might this may there may be consequences here. Um, I, I find it hard to believe nobody had that thought. They just thought they could get away with it. Well, they thought you know, they, money. Yeah, I'm going to bounty make hunter money. guy said said, oh, well, they deleted all my videos. I was in the process of editing out those ads. Right. BS. You know? No. Oh, well, well, okay. So you needed YouTube to tell you that you couldn't keep them in. Well, why are you editing them out if you didn't think there was anything wrong with it? Well, to begin because with? He, he was editing. This is the thing. They, YouTube said these weren't right, and so they wanted time to edit it out of their videos rather than have the videos just taken down. But it's like you know, yeah, well, yeah. Sorry, you've already done something wrong, and now you want a pass to fix it. Yep. Too bad. But in the meantime, in the meantime, that content's still going to be up there and viewed right. for everybody. No, I, I look. I, it kind of ticks me off that it took 
it popping up in the news for Google to take action. But by the same token, YouTube can't watch or monitor every single video that's being popped up. But you know what? If there's links in that video description to the site, it just automatically gets deleted. It doesn't, it doesn't allow you to even post it. That's, that's a, that's a very simple step that they can do. Look, if, if, if we posted this audio with still pictures on YouTube, no problem. If I put a print song right in the middle of this problem, yeah. their software would tag it and it wouldn't allow it. It would strip all the audio right out. But yet you can do this, but there's no way for them to know. I don't know. Mm. I, I don't buy it. No. And also, of course, the the company themselves, um, who apparently they, they have a parent company who owns several online essay writing companies. They say um, it's not illegal. They say they cannot be held responsible for what social influencers say on their channels, which is crap because if you pay them, you have some input into what they say on their channels. Absolutely. Yeah. We give influencers total freedom on how they prefer to present the EduBirdy platform to their audience in a way they feel will be most relevant to their viewers. We do admit that many tend to copy and paste each other's shout outs with a focus on get someone to do your homework for you, but this is their creative choice. And then it said, we also have a disclaimer on our website suggesting work provided by our company is supplied only as a sample or a reference. Do me a favor. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, they're in the Ukraine, so you can't do anything about it. And the, and the fact they have, the reason they, they advertise, the you sketchy companies advertise on YouTube is because it's a lot easier to get away with this sort of advertising than if you go through, through different media channels. Yep. You know, um, the whole thing kind of stinks. Um, and it, it goes back to what we were saying before about some of the issues that, you know, social media and, and the ability for us to do what we're doing now, the, the, tech, the democratization of broadcasting technology is a great thing. But the problem is, is you're going to get the bad away with the good. And um, unfortunately, at the moment, the bad is pretty bad, and it seems to have quite a big sway on the world. And what we and do here are. on TechFan is we celebrate... Uh, the positive aspects of technology and we vilify when said technology is used for the wrong reasons. And this is a prime example. Um, I, I want to see Google's duplex do well because I think that's kind of really cool technology if it's used correctly. And if it's not, we're going to call it out. Yeah. I, I unfortunately to- we spend a lot of time calling things out because, um, it seems to be, there's a lot more bad use of technology than good going along nowadays. Yeah. But I think that's more about human nature and tribalism and those side of things and prejudices and racism. Um, that's just a consequence of the human nature. There's no yeah. technology is going to fix all of our problems for us, but no, I'm still and, a and firm sometimes- believer that, yeah, if we do have access to the entire history of the planet at our fingertips, that that will eventually make the world a better place. I hope so. Of course, what it technology also does, it enables stupid people to be more stupid. <laughs> there is that too. Yeah. <laughs> and as a, as a, uh, as a kind of segue to an example of that, we have here, I spotted this in the BBC a couple of weeks ago. And, and I was just, First of all, I was stunned by the stupidity, uh, and then, and then um, glad that he was caught. So this, I was this glad was, by, that he was caught, but I was not stunned by the stupidity because. Well, well yeah, you, you, sometimes 
you kind of think even the most stupid people have some level of common sense, but then you see some lights and realize some people just don't. Well, you think if yeah. you're that stupid, how how did you have enough money to be able to afford this car to begin with? Ah, uh, yeah, I know. That's, uh, that's a different question, I guess. So this was a gentleman who in Britain who pleaded guilty to dangerous driving because he, he was driving a Tesla uh, and on the M1, which is a pretty major motorway coming out of London, he was spotted by another car sitting in the passenger seat of his Tesla while the Tesla was driving up the M1 at 40 miles an hour. Idiot. <laughs> Just an the, idiot. The, the thing is, the level of idiocy there is because I think we all appreciate that a lot of people who own Teslas, um, and, and I think there is a legitimate concern coming out that Tesla's use of the word autopilot, given the level of um, ability of the technology, is amazing. It, it is is perhaps problematic in that it is perhaps leading people to think that the stuff is more reliable and safer than it actually is. But in this particular case, I have to wonder what motivates a guy who's driving a car and puts it in autopilot to say, this is great, but you know what would really make it greater? If I climb across my moving car to a different seat so I can sit there instead. I mean, why? The level of stupid there um, isn't, it still is not equal to what I think his punishment should have been. Oh, I agree. Because I, I, the guy did not show an awful lot of... No, the uh, first thing he said, well, I'm the one who got caught. Yeah, that's, oh. he, that's what was his comment. He said, what he, he said to officers when they pulled him over, what he had done was silly, but the car was capable of something amazing. And then he says, yes, I'm unlucky because I got caught. So uh, still not a... Uh, We're the ones that are unlucky because you live in our society, you dope. Yeah, oh. yeah. 18 months, 18 months disqualification from driving. But you know what? This sort of putz is the sort of guy who go out and say, well, I can still go out in my Tesla because uh, I'm not driving when the autopilot's on. Right. <laughs> yeah, this guy's ban of driving doesn't... They, they should have confiscated the car. You lost the here's, car. Yeah, here's, here's a thing. We, I mean, we have no powers to do that here in the UK. I know. Um, but the, this is the... This is actually a, a, real, a thing that does concern me, talking about the consequences of technology. I think cars have got a weird kind of pass in terms of the consequences of doing something terrible with a car seem to be far less than if you do something terrible with a, a knife or a gun or a baseball bat or something. You can mow people down in a car and, yes, you'll get if you're caught, you'll get sent to prison, but not the kind of way you'll get sent to prison if you were to... Yeah, you know, walk in somebody's house and murder a family with a baseball bat. Exactly. And I've never, I've never quite understood why driving offences uh, seem to seem to be far more lenient in terms of the punishment than other types of offences. Well, uh, here's the problem, and sometimes it's as simple as this, David. When you hit another car because you weren't paying attention, what's that called? Driving without due care and attention. But what is it? Colloquially, blah, blah, blah. what what do you call it? I, I, I hit a car driving home from work. Uh, an accident. People call it an accident when it's not. It's not an accident. Yeah. It was stupidity. It was reckless yeah. driving. That's not an accident. Yeah. The very term we use lessens the impact of the action itself. Yeah. It. We should stop calling it 
accidents and calling it a crash. I was in a crash. Oh, whose fault it was it? Well, it was mine. So you caused a crash. It was an accident. No, it wasn't an accident because you were driving like a maniac. Yeah. There's a difference. So we need to stop calling them accidents and start calling them crashes and a hundred percent assigning blame. Michigan's the worst about this because we have number one, if you're in the United States, you have to have car insurance. It's mandatory. Yeah. But Same in here. Michigan, we have the no fault rule. It's no one's fault. No fault. You can't sue the other driver. It's no fault. Your what, insurance company for all pay- for all car collisions. Yep, no fault. So if you get in a car crash, your insurance pays for your damage, and their insurance pays for their damage. Wow, I am stunned by it's, that. It's the and we have the highest ins- car insurance rates in the United States because of this well, stupid yeah, of rule. It's the dumbest thing ever. It's just there's no consequences at this point. If yeah. if I'm a maniac and I go up there and slam into three cars, my insurance rates will go up. Sure. But there's beyond that, there's really no consequences. Eh, can't sue me. Sorry. No fault. I'm not at fault. Nope. There's nobody. No, it's an accident. No fault. It's, wow. I'm it's, stunned. It's, oh, I am. It's been like that for 10 years. It's it's unbelievable. But, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Actually, funnily enough, we have a similar situation here at the moment in that uh, a couple of years ago, uh, somebody plowed into the side of my wife's car when she was pulling out of a junction. She wasn't moving. He was on the wrong side of the road. There was traffic. He was trying to get past that speed. So he pulled out to the wrong side of the road, and she was s- stopped waiting to turn it, turn out into traffic, and he went straight into her, um, uh, wrote her car off. Yeah, fortunately, she wasn't seriously injured, but she still has a couple of bits of injury now. Now, he was insured by the same insurance company that she was, and currently... The both both of the claims assessors dealing with these these insurance things are arguing about fault. Yeah, a liability. Basically, they want her to accept a small portion of the liability because she was um, she was in his way almost. Uh, and she said, "No, it, I I didn't do anything wrong. He was completely wrong. He was on the wrong side of the road." But the thing is, what well, the, the the amounts that are going to be paid is all coming from the same company. Yep. And yet they are, they're talking about going to court over it. So well, you know the why? company's going to sue itself in no, court. No, that's not what it's about. Liability. No, that's not what it's about. It's about if she admits culpability, your rights get to go up. Yeah. Well, we've, we've point blank refused. Right. Um, and we, we've, uh, they've tried everything they can to strong arm us into accepting 20% responsibility. And she's refused to do it. Right. So they can well, raise right, your rates. So. And then yeah. they can cover the costs. Yeah, but the cost—the cost of going through court uh, to sue themselves—it's must far outweigh any marginal things they, they get with rates. And in fact, even less than that. Because guess what? We ain't with that insurance company anymore. Right? They lost your business you know? because of it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say they were smart. I'm just telling you why they're doing it. Yeah, I know. But yeah, yeah that's crazy. unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think there should be a lot more penalties. And public shame for those who cause car accidents. And there's just not. No. Because we keep calling accident. And and yet, you can guarantee that the more that self-driving vehicles are on the roads, when those get into collisions, 
that will be uh, people will be will be suing for millions of dollars because it's a big corporation they can go after. Yep. <sighs> I think with that uh, uplifting note, we should probably wrap up this episode <laughs> of Tech Fan number three hundred and fifty. David and I really appreciate your feedback. It's easy to do. Send us an email: the show at techfanpodcast.com we'll read your comments here on the show uh if you're interested in being on the show at one point in the future let us know man we'd, we'd love to have you on we're expanding our uh offerings here so we'd love to have some more guests on the show send us an email the show at techfanpodcast.com of course you can always comment right in the show notes at both mymac.com and mm-hmm. techfanpodcast.com. Yeah. And if you would be so inclined to go to the uh, iTunes page and give us a review. No one's done that in over a year. So if you could do that, that would be awesome. We'd really yeah. appreciate it. Anything before we wrap here, David? The only thing I would say about anybody listening about guesting is that we will we will have anybody on here. And I don't I don't mean that disparagingly. I'm saying we are interested in talking to anybody who, who feels they have something to contribute. Absolutely. Don't put yourself down thinking, oh well I wouldn't have anything to say or I wouldn't uh, they wouldn't be interested in talking to me. We will talk to anybody with the exception of Google Assistant. I mean I've been talking <laughs> yeah. I've been talking to David for how many years? I mean, I know. obviously, we'll... <laughs> well, basically, I've got nothing to say. <laughs> I'll see you next week, my friend. See you then. <laughs> and then I'm moving my whole base of operations to Universal Studios. <laughs> Old guys wandering around. I just can't imagine what could possibly, possibly go wrong. <laughs> now, we're watching you too. Yeah. We're the clueless hosts of the MyMac podcast. Thank you so very, very much for downloading the MyMac.com podcast. We really, really do appreciate it. Tell me about it. (laughs) People like us. Apparently, people like to respond on Facebook to hairy, bald guys who said stupid things. That's not God's Why don't you bring us in?